gentlemen, hear them pour. It's the Beer Geeks Radio Hour on WYLK. Uh, another Sunday, beers and glasses, good conversation. We're missing Billy. Always miss Billy every day of my life. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, go, I fall asleep every night, and the last thought in my head is, I wish Billy was here. <laughs> That's that's pretty well. You know, I, I would say that's probably most of America has that same opinion. Well, I am officially replacing someone today. Then that, that's true. Uh-oh. So, yeah, so yeah, Joe, Joe is uh, tagging along. So we, we do have a filler, and so that was Joe filling in for Billy from Backyard Ale House. I mean, if you want to get your Billy filled today, then I guess call Backyard Ale House, and you could uh, you can cuddle with them. <laughs> there should be a drink at Backyard called Billy Phil. Oh, all one word, Billy Phil. <laughs> I wonder what that drink would be. And now my mind's. Whatever the when I, when the keg kicks and it spurts, they collect all that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor Billy! All right, so that's uh, Matt from Massive Beer yeah, Review, <laughs> and uh, George. That's it from Massive Beer <laughs> Yeah. Oh, there we go. Yeah. Now he's got an official title. Not really. All right, so so today on the show we have we're gonna be joined later on from uh, by Tommy Arthur from Lost Abbey Port Brewing uh, and get into a lot of cool things with that brewery from out in California. Uh, rich history with him going on too. So it'd be a good chat. Uh, before we get anything else, though, let's get into a little bit of beer news. Now, one of the things I, I was looking through stuff and this popped up today, and this this has kind of been something that was a joke made for a long time, but is actually happening in Bruges. Uh, a full two mile pipeline, uh, two mile long pipeline is being built under the city that is going to be exclusively used for beer. Uh, the pipeline, which is expected to be completed this summer, will pump beer at 1,057 gallons an hour. <laughs> from the, and I'm, I don't even know, maybe you can tell me, Matt, uh, De Halvman Brewery? No. Nope, nothing. Get nothing. All right. Well, that's the brewery uh, that is in the center of Brussels that's going to be doing that, pumping it out into the city. So that's a, kind of the dream that many people have had for a long time, pipe beer directly from the brewery into their house. But I mean, this is going into a couple bars. But still, a two-mile-long pipeline just for beers, that's a dedication. Yeah, I, I don't even know what to say. <laughs> I mean, that's, yeah, that's, that's, that's the dream. You know, that's what happens, needs to happen everywhere. Now, the, the worry is going to be people trying to tap into that because that's going to be the next thing. I'm wondering what that pipeline is made out of because you're going to have a lot of people trying to tap into that one. Yeah, it's definitely, it'll be like a new school, like all those like um, burglary capers are always in like, Belgium and stuff. You'll see a bunch <laughs> yeah. of uh, Jason Statham running around trying to steal beer. It's like Ocean's Eleven for yeah. beer. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how that would go with most people, but hey, whatever. Uh, all right. Now, the other thing that came out this week that was kind of making the rounds was Budweiser. It's still kind of, I'm sure you know where this one's going. Oh, they, America, baby. They uh, <laughs> they made the announcement that they're going to be changing the cans, the, the name of Budweiser on the cans to America. Uh, that's what you do. Uh, but many people already kind of, <laughs> this is the funniest thing. Many people have already been complaining about that because it's just, no, well, I mean, come on. That's kind of yeah. a, an easy <laughs> reason to see why people are complaining about it. Uh, but a Michigan brewery took that a step further and uh, have made, and you can find the, the photo they made of the six-pack they're releasing, of a beer a beer called Merica. <laughs> And, I believe uh, it was Murica. Murica. Yes, I'm yeah. sorry. I, I, I pronounced the an E instead of a U. Uh, <laughs> it's called Murica. It's a Sagatuck Brewing Company in Michigan. And uh, the box actually has on it saying, actually American <laughs> in the bottom corner. And uh, when they were asked about it, they quoted, fear not America. We're here to make beer named after America great again. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> so it's a, it's a full-on pun going right there with that one. So uh, it, it's <laughs> you know it's gonna people are gonna react to that because that's that's a ballsy maneuver. If you're you're taking the name of your beer and you're just slapping on America and a big old flag on it. This is a conversation we could have that would probably wind up getting us in trouble if we kept going down this yeah. rabbit hole. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's a whole thing. Yeah, you know, people on the left, right, middle, and everywhere like beer. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But it's, uh, it, they know who their demographic is, mm-hmm. and they know who they want to target. And it just, they're just, and almost like they're like, yep, we're, nah, we're, we're, you knew it. We're just going this way now. We're, yeah. It's all, we're all in on that, that, yeah, that it, end. It was just one of those <laughs> things we saw. Because at first, when I saw that, I was looking for like theonion.com or something yeah, like yeah, that yeah, underneath yeah. it. Because I'm like, no way. And like, nope, that's legit. And then you started seeing it spill out. And it's like, that's that's a thing. I don't I really didn't even know how to feel about it because it was just so utterly ridiculous, I guess I can just say. It, it just made no sense to me why Yeah, it's still I've heard I heard about it, I think, on Tuesday. And mm-hmm. it it still doesn't make sense. No, that's 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 more than anything what I don't get out of it is why? Like what? What is the point of doing that for you? It's not like, and then the other thing, or and the other part that we haven't even discussed is they're not even an American brewery anymore. Yeah. They're not owned by an American company, so that that's another whole bag to get into. But that that's what I just don't get is is are they trying to divert people from? I I, I don't. I, I think they're trying to ride the waves of sentiments that tend to be flowing quite heavily as of late. But at the same time, it's just. That's the thing. Like you said, it's, it, they're not an American brewery, and, and the person that grabs that beer and, and hoists it and says America, they have to know that there was a bunch of you know, uh, foreign people <laughs> at a boardroom doing analytics on what could make them more money, and that's why that beer happened. Not necessarily yeah. like it was made with the sweat of a brow of some guy from St. Louis. <laughs> exactly, yeah. And that, that's the whole, and I think yeah. that's what's causing, for most people that are kind of in the know on all of that, not that it's not common knowledge, but some people... Don't care, I guess. Yeah. But, uh, um, I think that's more the people that are in the know on that are paying attention. That's more of what's upsetting to them is the fact that you're doing that and you're not an American company anymore. So what's the reasoning? I I don't know, but it's very idiocracy ish. Yeah, oh, really, yeah. Honest, it is. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. It, it's, uh, that's why that I said, would this, be the beer and idiocracy. Oh yeah, Camacho would be chugging that stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Especially while watching uh, Ow My Balls. <laughs> Ouch. Ouch. Sorry. Get it right. Thank you. All right. So let's get into some like good beers that we have. So uh, as I said, this week we have Lost Abbey Port Brewing. Uh, we'll get into all that as we're, we're talking to Tommy about everything. Uh, so in our glass right now, though, we have Carnival from Lost Abbey. Uh, it's a Saison's 8, 8% flat, I believe, is what it is. I've got to find the label in front of me. Yeah, 8% flat. Uh, it's, it's just a Saison. Uh, with some Breton, it's just got these. It's really nice. Like, it's a. It's more of a traditional styled saison. It's a higher ABV, but it, it kind of has those rustic flavors that you'd want. Just a touch of, of tartness and a little bit of sourness. Yeah, for me, it's it, it's like it's it's your atypical saison, just kind of spinal tap to eleven a little bit because it's very spicy for yeah. me. I get like coriander out of the poo poo. You know what I mean on this one, and it, it's, it's a little it's, more hop forward too than, than other ones as well, but. Yeah, but um, you get that funkiness, you get that uh, super uh, peppery spiciness, and it's just, uh, I remember having this forever ago, yeah. and it's just one of the, you know, solid as all could be, better than solid, actually. It's just an interesting brewery with where, where they started with what was going on, because a lot of their 
beers like we've gotten very familiar with seeing on shelves because they've, they've just been a part of this for so long. But it seems in a lot of ways like they were more at the forefront of what they were doing and the market has kind of caught up to them now with the beers that they were doing because even this one, you know, this has been brewed for almost 10 years now. And, and to think of that like, all right, this is very much of what's in style now. Yeah. And, and like that's yeah, what's impressive with like this is yeah. definitely a beer if someone came out with it now. Like this is very of the now of what's going on in, in the industry. Yeah, it seems like they're definitely ahead of the curve as far as not just the beers they make, but also distribution because I I just remember Lost Abbey being on shelves. Yeah, oh, yeah, for a long time. For forever it almost seems like so very progressive. Brewery. I think like this it could also be like something that a lot of people overlook now with like yeah. you know, it's been there and there's all like new breweries that are doing like the wild ale farmhouse style. Um and then you, you kind of forget that like Lost Abbey has been there for Yeah. That, that's forever. one of the dangers and it, it it's unfortunate in the industry the way things are with all these new breweries that are coming about. Not that that's unfortunate, but just there's so much coming out and so much buzz and hype around new ones that I feel like a lot of people that walk by shelves and see some of these beers that have been there, like, oh, it's always there. Yeah. And they don't, but they don't try it. Like, that's the thing. It's like, that's great that it's always there. There's a reason it's always there. <laughs> and and that's why, like, these breweries, like, you, you, if you're walking by and you always see something and you're comfortable with the fact that it's, being, it's there and you haven't had it, try those before you jump onto the, the bandwagon of, of new hyped up things. That or even it, it getting to the point where you actually forget about things. I do that. Yeah. I do that myself a lot of times. I'll be like, just... You have so much accessibility to, to certain mm-hmm. brands and certain beers that you just kind of just, oh, I'll, I'll get that some other time. Yeah, and, yeah. and then what will happen is typically I'll go to some kind of bar or restaurant to where they don't have a huge beer selection, but they'll have one of those staples, whether it be something from Lost Abbey or like Chimay's a big one or something like that. And then you drink it and you go, man, why am I not drinking this yeah, more often? Yeah, that's that's what I did when I, when I moved up to uh, to Canada for school. I didn't have access to like Trogues, Weyerbacher, and Victory, which... Since I turned 21, I've been, like, walking past and getting something different. And that's when I went to Buffalo for a, a beer run with a bunch of my friends. That's what I bought. I, I bought Trogues. <laughs> I bought, like, a four-pack of, of, like, Troganator Pounders and, like, a bunch of victory things and, like, some Weyerbacher stuff. I'm like, wow. A I, taste of home. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's it's just so interesting because we all are, are guilty of that. I'm not even saying, like, you people. Like, we all are guilty of, of walking past something that we've seen all the time that we haven't tried because there's just so much. Like, we're so spoiled now with everything that's going on, especially where we're at. Like, where our location is so great for everything because we have a gluttony of great breweries that have limited distribution within a few hours' drive. We have Philadelphia right there that's getting everything from everywhere. So we are we could go every day having like five new beers that we never had and go a full year and still have barely tried a good chunk of everything that's out there. Yeah, first world beer problems. That's what that is. <laughs> and, I, and I like living yeah. in that world. So <laughs> Yeah, I am definitely not complaining about that, that yeah. problem at all because that is a good problem to have because, you know, as we see with a lot of distribution with some of these breweries that they get, it, it's so limited, especially in the Midwest and those areas where people, it's just a very dry area that, that they're not able to get. I would not put that up my nose. <laughs> oh, if only we had a camera. We have um, <laughs> But it, it's just there's some areas that there's just such a gluttony that we don't think of. And you see, like, you know, if you pay attention to, like, the beer trading and the things that go on with that, you start to really see 
how distribution affects where things are at. And then you hear about, you know, whether it's the limit on ABV or just, you know, whatever the reasoning is, a lot of it is, you know, crap that happened behind the scenes a long time ago, blue laws. Yeah, there's so many weird weird things. Like the ABV thing is bizarre. I have a lot of people, like, when if I post a review and then someone will be like, man, someday I, can, I wish I can have this. And I'm like, kind of thinking like, oh, and then they're like, oh, no, I can't have anything over a certain percent in my state and stuff like that. Or if even this week you see all these amazing beers that we can't get flooding the market in PA because they have like um, limited license for uh, craft brewers conference. Yeah. So you see all these breweries that are from outside of the the state that just we get to get for this two week period of time. You know what I mean? It's that like magical like, two weeks. Yeah, it's like, yeah. Ah, yeah. get it all. We get, get it all now. now. You know what I mean? And then and then just <laughs> yeah, you know, all these crazy brewers and it's just gonna be like okay, even though we do get a ton of beer and we have such amazing access. We still want more. It's oh, like, yeah. you know what I mean? Just give me give me an inch and I just want, and I want 19 appetite. gallons. Yeah, that's all we're doing is wet, wetting the appetite and just want more. And, like, that's what the, the good thing is, is, like, you know, we're able to get that. And we don't really – and that's what I'm saying. Like, if you see some of these beers on the shelf that maybe you have taken for granted or, or walked past and not really thought about – try them because we have them. In some other places, people are dying to get those beards because they can't get them, so they're really desperate to have that. So the fact that we have that here, definitely try that one out, wherever it is, no matter what it is. Yeah. All right, so what we're going to do is we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to be joined by Tommy Arthur from Lost Abbey Port Brewing and get into all the great things about this brewery. So stay tuned here on the Beer Geeks, WILK. This is the final day for the premium Midwest Beef's Meat Sale. They would like to say thank you to Wilkes-Barre and Scranton for their support during this phenomenal sale. Look for the truck in the Wyoming Valley Mall parking lot right now. You can still buy 20 ribeye steaks for 25 bucks. Yeah, you heard right, 20 ribeye steaks for 25 bucks. But only today. They are at the end of their inventory and everything must be sold. They are selling all remaining inventory at their cost. Premium steaks, seafood, gourmet, boneless chicken, and their mouth-watering pork. And now, Jim Beam baby back ribs. Just look for their big truck and big tent in the Wyoming Valley Mall parking lot. Compare these deals to Omaha Steaks. Nobody in Northeast PA can compete with their prices. Nobody. They're open today from 10 a.m. until the truck is empty. Buy 20 ribeye steaks for 25 bucks or other. Other incredible bulk deals on premium steak, seafood, chicken, pork, and now Jim Beam baby back ribs. It's the premium Midwest beef truck sale in the Wyoming Valley Mall parking lot ending today. Today, how to incorporate your business in just 10 minutes so you won't lose everything if you get sued. Step one, stop putting it off. If you're not incorporated and someone sues your business tomorrow, it's not just your business at risk. You can lose everything, your home, your car, even your life savings. Step two. Call the following number for a free 10-minute incorporation guide from Incorporate.com. 1-800-973-4886. They don't provide legal or financial advice. They just make incorporating quick and easy. So you can incorporate or form an LLC in just 10 minutes. That number again is 1-800-973-4886. Step 3. Congratulate yourself. By taking just 10 minutes to incorporate your business or form an LLC, you protected your home, your car, and your life savings. And that is how you incorporate your business in just 10 minutes. But hurry while they're still giving away these 10-minute incorporation guides for free. Call 1-800-973-4886. That's 1-800-973-4886. Every day, millions of seniors struggle with cancer, arthritis, and other rare diseases. They rely on Medicare Part B for access to their doctor and life-saving medicines. Shockingly, the Obama administration has proposed a misguided experiment to Medicare, and it could be devastating. 
Government bureaucrats could manipulate your course of treatment. Access to new breakthrough treatments may be restricted. Local clinics could be forced to close, requiring some patients to travel significant distance and forcing others into hospitals for their care. Over 300 patient and provider groups have called on Congress to stop this experiment, and Congress needs to listen. Senator Bob Casey has always protected Pennsylvania seniors. Call Senator Casey at 202-224-6324 or go to StopCMSCuts.com. Urge him to stand up for Pennsylvania seniors and stop the Medicare Part B experiment. Paid for by the Community Oncology Alliance. Need a vacation? The Times Leader is giving one away. Pick up the Times Leader every Sunday from now until May 15th and play NEPA Las Vegas Mystery Word Game. Weekly gift certificates to SureSave will be given away and one grand prize to Las Vegas courtesy of Travel World. Pick up the Times Leader today and find out why they are the most read newspaper in Luzerne County. Call 570-829-5000 to subscribe. That's 570-829-5000. There we go. Hey, see, did you see he's in the hospital? Yeah, I yeah, saw that. Yeah, rushing the hospital. I saw Anthony Kiedis. That's a, oh, it's a tribute to him. Yeah. So, man, we'll see what happens, though. That, it might be totally different next week. I have no idea what happened. So, all right, anyway, off that. So, we are joined now on the phone. We have Tommy Arthur from Lost Abbey Port Brewing. So, we're going to get into a lot of great things that are going on at this brewery. So, Tommy, how are you doing today, bud? Not so bad. How are you guys doing? Oh, doing good. Enjoying some beers. I know it's a little earlier for you out in the West Coast. Yeah, it's a, it's a good day for drinking. <laughs> it's always a good day. <laughs> Dan's and wine. So let's get into a, a little bit of history now. Like, we'll, we'll get into the, the breweries, which is an interesting thing. But like, when did the, the brewery technically first start for you guys with, with everything? So we opened our doors in May fifth on May fifth of two thousand six. So we're going to celebrate our tenth anniversary next weekend and. Uh, Crazy to think that it's been 10 years, but uh, it's been a great time to be here in San Diego. Oh, definitely. So now, as the brewery opened, there, there's a relationship you have that it's like Port Brewing and Lost Abbey and everything. What, what is that relationship to those who may not be familiar with, with everything? So when we opened our doors in 2006, we knew that we wanted to produce two lines of beers, but we also wanted to keep them very separate in their identities. And so we opened up as Port Brewing LLC with two brands, Port Brewing uh, what we call our West Coast-centric beers, higher hops, higher alcohol. Um, and then we opened up with our Lost Abbey line of beers, which we call Belgian-inspired. Um, and really just allowed us to keep two really uh, narrow focuses on, on the beers and, and the branding and the messages and things like that. So two beers, one root statement, boys. So no, as you got that going, did they open at the same time then? Yeah, absolutely. We, we basically opened our doors and created a set of core Lost Abbey beers and core Port brewing beers and then rotated seasonals in and uh, kept the mix going. So was that kind of a, a nightmare for you then trying to do that at the same time, two things, or was it very much felt like one brewery to you? You know, it just felt like a lot of new beers, but at the same time, uh, we had we had really I had an amazing level of positioning for the both brands, and so it wasn't as difficult to create the, the branding and the messaging as it was to just sort of juggle uh, mostly it was the yeast and, and some of the small batch stuff that we wanted to do at that time. Uh, once we got on a roll, you know, about year three, we really sort of figured out how, how it worked out and behaved. 
um, it was pretty good. Now, did you notice a difference, like starting port, like where you were at and what the beers you were doing versus Lost Abbey? Because you guys, we were talking as we had Carnival, like it seems like you were very ahead of a lot of trend curves that were going on. Did you see a difference in sales versus the two at that time, since it was such an early on point in this craft beer thing? Yeah, so port, port Brewing has always been our best selling beers in terms of what we call velocity or, or rate of sale. Um, and the Abbey beers, you know, we sort of designed to be more of the celebratory and, and a little bit more of an occasional beer. You know, most people don't drink a Lost Abbey beer every day. Uh, so we always knew that the Port Brewing brands were going to, to, to go through the system faster, necessarily. But a lot of the recipes that we're producing and have produced over the years had their genesis in my brew pub roots, you know, the, the prior 10 years or so. Um, nine years I'd spent on the brew pub side of things and a lot of those sort of formulations and recipes ideas came out of that brew pub level. So what, what was the inspiration then for you to get into that and do these two very distinct uh, styles for the breweries? Like what was what was the inspiration for you to get this going? I think the biggest one was just the ability to package beer and reach reach a little bit wider audience and some of the beers that we had been doing uh, at the brew pub level really needed um, packaging. They needed to be bottled and cellared and all that stuff. And we just couldn't do it at the brew pub scope. So, you know, for us, it was really a, a, a prospect of, of bigger horizons. And, and, you know, we've never really wanted to be a huge brewery. But, you know, at, at some point, you have to be able to afford those, those equipment pieces, mm-hmm. you know, the bottling lines and, and things. And um, so you got to have some level of scale. So what was kind of the, the first beers that you started with when you opened up Lost Abbey and, and Port? It's interesting because we haven't really deviated from the core. So when we opened up our Lost Abbey brands, we had four original core brands, Avant-Garde, which is our farmhouse lager, uh, Red Barn, which is a spiced saison, uh, Lost and Found, which is an Abbey, Abbey double style, and then our Judgment Day, which is an Abbey quad. And those four beers we continue to make today. We actually added a fifth um, in something called Devotion, which is a dry hopped blonde. Um, on the port brewing side, we had a couple of IPAs. Uh, we had an IPA, a double IPA a double red and a dark ale and we still produce all of those today wow that's so you knew what you were doing right off the bat then and stuck with your guns that's really impressive this day like 10 years you're saying you've been doing this and they still hold up in this market which things have completely changed from then yeah it's, it's definitely questionable as to how well they hold up these days against some of that stuff but we we have a lot of talks about brand equity and, and long term um so many people right now are, are shotgunning the approach to what they're doing and and I, I just have concerns. I, I tell the story a lot. You know, if, if the guys at Sierra Nevada had, had abandoned green pale ale number four, we call it, and if the guys at Allagash had abandoned white, you know, where would these new American classics have gone? You know, yeah. where would they come from? Yeah, I mean, what was that, that scene like for you in that area? I mean, San Diego now has become, you know, a, a craft beer mecca of the West Coast. Like, what was that like 10 years ago starting? Was there any, like, real competition the way it is now in that area? I mean, clearly the competition's changed, but let's go back even further. I've been in the business 20 years now, and 20 years ago when I first got started, we might have been the number one or two Coors Light in town, you know, in the country. And um, a lot of people with Stone and Ballast Point and Aerosmith and Coronado and the Pizza Port people kind of all got together, and we started throwing big parties and promoting craft beer at a collective level and built the town up, you know, as a, as a destination. And all of a sudden, more breweries kept opening their doors and winning awards and making great beer. Um, you know, 10 years ago, it certainly wasn't as crowded of a landscape, but I think there was a very a very good sense that this was a great beer town 10 years ago. <clears throat> now, you guys, a bit over a year ago, you launched another um, series, your, your um, Hop Freshener series, but you kind of kept that one yep. kind of separate from, from what seems like separate from Lost Abbey and Port Brewing. Uh, what's the reasoning behind kind of having that stand on its own? 
So what we wanted to do was create a brand that didn't have as heavy of a story or a sense of place. Um, both Port Brewing and the Lost Abbey brands were created with a sense of Southern California, you know, the Lost Abbey brands having a lot of backstory to them. Uh, what we wanted to focus on the hop concept brands, um, both the freshener and now the hop concept uh, series beers, was just how the ingredients behave. And obviously IPA is king right now. Um, and a lot of new ingredients we hadn't had a chance to, to share with our, our fans. So we're not hiding behind the fact that we make it. Uh, you know, it says brewed and bottled in San Marcos, but we wanted it to have its own identity. Fair enough. So as things started going with Lost Abbey, the one thing you guys have really started to become even more known for is, is a lot of really great barrel-aged beers. When, when did you really start dipping into doing that? So when we opened our doors 10 years ago, we bought 100 oak barrels uh, to launch the brewery. And we used to laugh and tell people back in the day it was one of the largest collections of oak for brewing purposes. Um, but, of course, today that's, you know, most people have 100 barrels in their garage. So um, <laughs> we've, been at it a long, we've been at it a long time. But, uh, you know, we, we're getting better at it. And I think we're getting better at it because we're very focused on developing the beers for the long haul and, and really staying away from some tremendously esoteric stuff. I mean, we do have some experimentation, um, but we collectively have some brands that we've been producing for eight or 10 in barrel format. And so we have a library and a collection to kind of work against. Now, was that a difficulty trying to procure them at that time to, to get enough, a good amount of barrels to be able to rotate through? Was it easier then? I don't, I don't know which it would be. I actually, I actually would say it was easier. Um, now, in, in terms of easier, you know, the the selection of or the, the selection of, of varietals, you know, that you may have had access to, wasn't as big as it is today. Um, you know, we have access to all kinds of crazy spirited barrels these days, but the competition for those barrels has driven the price up, and some of the quality of the barrels that are coming on the market are just not worth, you know, worth the price. Oh yeah, there, there's there's definitely so many things that are going on now that you can dip your toes into. But is it really worth doing that on the back yeah. end of it? Like, it sounds great, but if you're not making any money, who really cares? At the end of the day, of that one. Yeah, so, I think the price of our spirit barrels has almost tripled since we opened our doors. Wow. So that's one of the biggest pressures. Wow. Not necessarily acquiring them, but the pressure to the pressure on price. Oh yeah, I could definitely see that. So so what is the size of the brew house for for Port and for Lost Abbey? So all the beers are made on one system. It's the original stone brewing system. It was uh, manufactured by AAA in 1995. It's a 30-barrel brew house. Um, we have the ability to, to cast out larger batches of beer. We have a few fermenters on the floor that are just north of 200 barrels. So um, big batch, small batch stuff, but everything is done about 30 barrels at a time. Wow. So what's the distribution like for you guys now? Like, How many states are you in? Because we, we've been pretty familiar with Lost Abbey out here for quite some time, but I don't know how, where are you guys at now? So we, we only launched states really, really on a slow basis. The most recent launch we did was two years ago. We actually picked up a, a piece of Pennsylvania and Pittsburgh. Um, we're in nine or ten states total. We've been in most of those states um, for the last five years. So we're not actively pursuing a lot of new state and territory growth. Um, we represent about 15 different wholesalers that we work with. So a lot of the states that we're in are one, one-stop shops, um, much smaller sort of operations. And, you know, we just don't have a huge volume of people to, to support that distribution network at a, at a high level. Yeah, just goes to show you, I mean, you, you guys have been here for quite a while, so we kind of take a, a little bit for granted. Not so much port. It took a while for the port stuff to come out here. Is that Was that a, um, we always had, you know what I mean, like the Lost Abbey side of it, but the port stuff took a bit. Was that yeah. more distribution on our end, or is that you guys had so much demand on your end, you don't push out as that out as much as the Abbey beers? 
No, I mean, we, we certainly make a, all the beers available to our wholesalers, and we sort of work with them to figure out what makes the most sense. The problem with some of the pork stuff is that those are highly competitive in the draft market on price, and there's a sensitivity to the cost of shipping. And, again, we're a small brewery, so we don't we don't play in a, in a, in a low-margin game. So our, our beers are not inexpensive. And, you know, when you move them 3,000 miles, there are costs that add up. But the Abbey brand has always had a little bit higher premium on it, and it's always had a sense of, a premiumness to it that that you know from the get-go we built that into into that brand and so i think that they they, they found a little more acceptability because they weren't they weren't overpriced but they were certainly line priced and a lot of belgian beer that they would have been on the shelf next to was not cheap by any means yeah oh absolutely so now one of the things too it's cool that entering your barrel room you have a sign that reads in wild yeast we believe so when you got into that and got into the whole, I mean, that's become, you know, a, a, the darling beer now next to the IPAs, the whole wild ale movement. What was it that inspired mm-hmm. you to really get into wanting to do that and experiment with that? So I've been working at the pub level with a bunch of different ingredients, and we were one of the first breweries in town um, at the pub level to introduce Britannomyces into beers. And I just I felt that there was such an opportunity to create flavors that we couldn't get from just regular brewing yeast, and so we embraced it. The sign above the door literally, I sort of ripped off of the dollar bill, you know, basically says in, in, in Britannomyces or in these wild yeasts we trust, um, you yeah, know, no speed ace we believe. But it was basically to, to remind people that we, we, we understood that you had to put a little faith in the yeast itself or the wild yeast because they do all the work. Now, one of the other things, too, now we have a gluttony of, of books and everything available for to getting that knowledge. But where were you trying to get the knowledge to work with something if someone, you know, it wasn't really wildly used now and it's notorious for really having a mind of its own versus regular yeast? Yeah, I mean, there was there was a, a, certainly a, a dearth of knowledge available through the wine world. But, you know, the wine world talked about how not to get it in yeah. your <laughs> winery, how to eradicate it, what it would do to your fruit and your, you know, in your, in your wines and things, but there's a lot of research on Britannomyces. Um, you know, you can, there's a lot of anecdotal, back in the day, there was a lot of anecdotal you know, sort of research from talking to brewmasters in Belgium and people that, that had used it, but uh, in terms of pure scholar, you know, science, there was very little available and, and far more available today than, than ever before, but I still think it's a, a widely sort of not well understood organism, I and mean, I think we can make it do things. Um, but I think there's an inherent level of, of what's still in front of it. There's still so many capabilities, I think, that we haven't even touched on. Yeah, it's definitely one of those growing areas, and there's so much not known about it yet. Just a few things that people do know, but as it because it's such a weird organism, it's just going to kind of do what it wants to do, which is an interesting thing to try working with that so far ahead of, of the knowledge curve of where we're at because... You know, did you even have like a, a rough an understanding of the flavor profile you were going to get, or wasn't it until you really started experimenting with it that you kind of got what was going on? Yeah, I mean, you can only you can only do so much research and reading, and then you kind of just have to let it fly. Yeah. Right? So. <laughs> All right, so we have um, an argument. But, but sorry, go ahead, Tommy. Yeah, luckily we we had good success with it when we let it fly. So. Oh, absolutely. We will definitely attest to that. So we have in our glass now the, the 10th anniversary Imperial IPA from Port. And this is impressive. You got it up to 11%, but we've all taken a sip, and there's not much alcohol heat kind of going into this one. Is this a, a style that you experiment with, like a base beer that you experiment with and change the hops out, or was this totally unique in creating this beer? No, it's been pretty consistent over the last couple of years. I think we've added some citra, and there may be a little bit of mosaic in it this year. But um, it's it's a sneaky little bitch, and I don't drink it much because it's so, <laughs> it's so sneaky. Um, 
I've actually had a couple of people email me and text me this week reminding me that they probably shouldn't have had a third one. Oh, um, it, it, it's a doozy of a beer. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, I've had so few glasses. I'll have one next weekend when we celebrate the party, but I, I tend to fall into the eight and a half range. The most of concept beers in the manga that we make is about eight and a half. And that's a, that's a manageable, scary drinking, but, but the, 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 I don't think we get enough credit for our anniversary beer. I think it's a fantastic, double IPA, um, but it comes and goes so quickly that uh, it just kind of goes under the radar most of the time. Now, it's a little bit um, little bit of departure style-wise, labeling-wise. Are you guys going to start doing a little d- different labeling on your port, or is it just more just a one-off thing for the uh, anniversary? We're kicking the tires, let's just say that. Okay. Um, <laughs> I, it's, it's definitely a departure. We wanted to uh, We wanted to investigate. We just hired a new graphic designer. Her name is Kim, and she's great. And we kind of wanted to task her with, you know, what what might you know the direction look like. I, I think the label is really cool. It's not exactly where I would want to go for the next ten years, um, but we also bundled that beer into a four pack um, for our Costco's locally, and they asked us if we could put a little bit of a spin on it. So the new label was an easy way to say, yeah, this is something different. Yeah, I know, I dig it. So. Yeah. So it's quite I, nice, yeah. It's very clean. I, I know you wouldn't be able to speak if we asked you ten years ago where you would be, but do you have a rough idea of like where you see things going for the brewery for the next ten years, as far as what you plan to do, what you would like to do, or even things you already have kind of in the pipeline for the breweries? Yeah, we're um, we're constantly talking about that. We, you know, we wanted. I guess when we opened our doors ten years ago, we sort of felt like we should be. You know, we should be in business 10 years later. Like, we kind of had a plan as to how we were going to get there. And I guess, thankfully for us, the business of beer just exploded in such a way that it was almost it was almost impossible not to make 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that today you have to wake up and have a little bit more mature sense of where you're going. I think there's a lot of breweries that are into it right now at a time where it's it's very crowded. And, um, you know, we're, 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 we've always wanted to be a legacy brand. And I think we have legacy beers. And so... Now the question is, is how do we continue to build up the legacy behind those beers for the next 10 years? And what are we going to do with that, with that energy and that? Um, I don't see us growing massive. You know, I don't see us doubling or tripling in the next 10 years in terms of size. But we definitely want to build a new brewery and uh, really focus on giving the consumer a chance to, you know, see our brewery vision for the long run, which is not necessarily being in a warehouse. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, got to do what you got to do to pay the bills. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Well, Tommy, I, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us, brother. And, and congrats on 10 years. And uh, we wish you at least 10 more, if not 100. I know you won't be around for it, but. Appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. Hey, somebody will be. <laughs> exactly. Guys, thanks for the time this morning. Hey, not a problem. Cheers, brother. Cheers. All right. Have a good one. You Bye. too. All right, so that's impressive to hear what they're working with. And, like, you know, as you said, like, we become familiar with certain breweries, not really thinking of the distribution. Like, that surprised me. I thought they, it just the, seems the like. brew house alone. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that surprised me. Yeah. Yeah, they, uh, I just always assumed they had larger distribution just because, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're just so used to it. Yeah, yeah, and we see it in a lot of places and everything, and they have such a great name. So you kind of don't really, you think people are talking about because, you know, they've had it and it's right there. You don't really think about it. And, like, it's impressive what, what he's able to do with where they're at and everything, and, and especially churning out two different breweries through all of that. Like, yeah. that's that's work. Like, that's not even just, like, that's 
work <laughs> to yeah. do that amount of everything that they're doing and this vast variety of beers. Like we've had breweries on and you look at like, you know, the beer list that have archived and they've gone through. But all right, now you're looking at two breweries <laughs> and their list in the archive that they've gone through with everything. And it's like you, you can't even fathom th- that amount of dedication to what you're doing. And they're phenomenal beers, too. So they're doing something right. I'll tell you that much. I'm still trying to wrap my mind around filling the like. 200 barrel yeah. fermenters off of a 30 barrel system. It, it, they're, they're, <laughs> That's like, <laughs> oh, there's so much, it, it, it's, there's a lot too. And it's, it's incredible what they're coming out with too. And the, the, the IPA is super crisp, super clean. This, this is 11%. And he's not kidding. This is sneaky. Does not drink like 11%. This is one of those ones where like you have it and you know, you finish a bottle yourself and then you, you wake up on the floor like, what happened? Like you, you didn't know that was coming. It's one of those type of deals. All right. So, we're going to take a break. and we come back, we have a couple more beers to work through and talk about. So uh, stay tuned here on WLK at the Beer Geeks. The Target Chopper. Savings in the mail. Attention contractors, builders, and homeowners. Giant Floor has hardwood flooring at wholesale prices. Now, through June 5th, get amazing deals on hardwood flooring like Proverco Canadian Maple. Was $5.99 per square foot, now only $3.99. Proverco Canadian Birch was $7.99 per square foot, now only $5.99. And Shaw Rustic Oak was $6.99 per square foot, now only $4.99. While supplies last, plus get a free 2x6 Silky Runner with any purchase of $500 or more. See store for details. So contractors, builders, and homeowners stop by Giant Floor for hardwood flooring at wholesale prices today. Highway 315 Wilkesbury and on the Morgan Highway Scranton or shop at your home or office. Giant Floor will come direct to you. Just visit giantfloor.com. But hurry, this sale ends June 5th. Find this and more in this month's Target Shopper magazine. Imagine your life five years from now. Are you on the path you want to be on? It's time to take control of your future by getting a world-class education from one of the nation's top universities. Arizona State University is now offering over 100 top-tier degree programs 100% online. It's the exact same degree our on-campus students receive, but you can learn from anywhere in the country on your own schedule. For information, call 1-800-400-0890. Learn from ASU's world-renowned faculty and use ASU's global recognition to improve your visibility, professional network, and gain real-world experience you can start using today. The Wall Street Journal ranked ASU fifth in the nation for producing the best qualified graduates. Now discover how ASU Online can stand out on your resume and help separate you from the competition. We are ready to help you learn to thrive in your life, in your career, and beyond. To learn more about ASU Online degrees, call 1-800-400-0890. That's 1-800-400-0890. Every day, millions of seniors struggle with cancer, arthritis, and other rare diseases. They rely on Medicare Part B for access to their doctor and life-saving medicines. Shockingly, the Obama administration has proposed a misguided experiment to Medicare, and it could be devastating. Government bureaucrats could manipulate your course of treatment. Access to new breakthrough treatments may be restricted. Local clinics could be forced to close, requiring some patients to travel significant distance and forcing others into hospitals for their care. Over 300 patient and provider groups have called on Congress to stop this experiment, and Congress needs to listen. Senator Bob Casey has always protected Pennsylvania seniors. Call Senator Casey at 202-224-6324 or go to StopCMSCuts.com. Urge him to stand up for Pennsylvania seniors and stop the Medicare Part B experiment. Paid for by the Community Oncology Alliance. 
Your kitchen is the essence of your home, the center of your family life. So why compromise? With Mariotti, you won't have to. Visit their showroom for a taste of over 30 kitchen displays showcasing their uncompromising range of styles, textures, and materials. Their seasoned professionals can help you begin designing your kitchen without compromise today. A Mariotti kitchen with Mariotti quality and Mariotti design with a sense of value that's right on the money. Visit MariottiBP.com or their showroom in Old Forge today. Here come bad news, talking this and that. Oh, this could be the theme song. Can we have good beer in the glass? I'm feeling it. Matt's dancing. Yeah. <laughs> we can say that X-Run Radio. <laughs> yeah, and I'm totally, I'm totally I'm doing... Doing kind of, I was trying to think of some cool kid dance. I'm doing a Macarena right now. There you go. <laughs> That's all the hip kids are doing, right? The Macarena yeah. and, and the, the electric Macarena. slide. Yeah. <laughs> all right. All right. So we're back. We have some more beer in our glass, obviously, which is why the banter always goes the way it does here. Uh, so we have in our glass now Judgment Day from Lost Abbey. This is a Belgian quad. Ten and a half percent. Uh, so, we we that's the other thing that's nice with them. We haven't really spoken to the ABVs on all of these and everything. So so far, well, people the, can tell the, the lowest. Like the lowest up they'll figure it out in here today. Yeah. By the end of this, you'll know what's going on. The the lowest we've had is eight percent. So I mean, they they are not fooling around with this. This is coming in ten and a session, half session session session. So, but what's impressive yeah. to me session is, beers. is is these double digit beers don't have that heat, and that's what I, I love when you get that like really nice balance. And this is just like a really easy drinking quad, which is something you you don't really say that very often. It's one of those things where it's like heat is kind of like where it comes. How do I put it? With smaller beers, it's harder to hide flaws. Yeah. It, it, it's harder to hide the heat with the bigger beers. So that's kind of where that kind of you know mastery of brewing comes yep. in play. Yeah. Whether it's smaller or bigger beers, is making it drinkable. Whether it is a flaw or whether yeah. it is heat. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um. I'm sure. You know, higher ABVs with no alcohol. It's kind of the devil's work a little bit. You yeah. know what I mean? Because <laughs> then you're just like you know, like you said. What is it, was it waking up on a bathroom floor? Oh no, I was just waking up on a floor. But um, <laughs> no, that's me waking up on the bathroom floor. <laughs> um, so it's like one of those things where it's like it, it's nice to be hidden, but it's sometimes you're just like, oops. Yeah. Oh yeah. That, that's it, it's it's definitely one of those ones. And this is a little bit uh, because of the style, like saying a Belgian quad. You kind of know to expect a little bit of a higher ABV versus you know the the double IPA, which is that, that we've talked on that before. Couldn't range be anything. Yeah. So getting that eleven percent and not tasting it, you might think like, oh, that's like an eight percent. Like no, <laughs> and you'll find out quickly it's not. This you kind of at least know going in, like all right, this is probably gonna be a little bit higher. But it's nice because it has these like red fruit characteristics, and it's it's it, it really is kind of in line with like a, a more of like the Belgian Trappist type. Like that's how it comes across instead of like a Belgian quad necessarily. I mean, I know those they're they're very similar, but at the same time, you you have that subtle difference of the Trappist yeast and everything going on. It has that cleaner, smoother quality. Yeah, the Lost Abbey has always had a nice take on Belgian beers. A lot of American breweries get it wrong, and yeah. uh, when it comes to yeast, or even like I think they a lot of times they get Belgian candied sugar a little bit heavy-handed with mm-hmm. stuff like that. Yeah. While this one yeah. is a little bit sweet, it definitely is something. If you blind tasted it, you'd be like, okay, I feel like this might have come from Belgium or the Netherlands yeah. or somewhere over there that does make beers like this on a regular. Yeah, and that's what's impressive. In there are a fair amount of breweries uh, in America doing Belgian-style beers, but not doing them successfully. They they might be, uh, in essence, you know, a, a Belgian beer. But if you stacked it next side by side with actual Belgian beers, the flaws would 
jump out at you. When you have ones like this, it's just like you could stack this against a bunch of other traditional Belgian quads, whatever ones you want to do, and, and it would stand up with it. Like it wouldn't jump out like as being, you know, because a lot of American uh, breweries, what they love to do because of the way things are is take like a Belgian style and, and hop it, you know, like a Saison. Yeah. Or, yeah. That's what yeah. we just love to do. And, and even with some of the darker ones, like we've had Belgian stouts that are a little heavy, more heavily hopped or things like that. This is just very done as a traditional style. You can tell that was the heart and soul of this was to do a traditional Belgian quad. They didn't go heavy-handed. I think apart from even like hopping it, like Matt said, you could tell almost right away from just the yeast profile. Yeah. Now, like I had a couple Belgian beers at a a bar in in Philly and then had a uh, a Belgian, I forget what it was. It was from like Conchahawken Brewery or something like that. Uh, And you could tell the the difference was plain as day between the granted the other ones were like a couple years old but that's yeah. beside the point uh, you could tell the difference immediately yeah. between the american and the uh, the belgian yeah. and i think that is it's an interesting thing because that is something that i think most people don't think of when they have you know cuz a lot of people have made those complaints about uh belgian beers from belgium versus american craft brewers doing belgian beers one of the reasons that they they taste so differently is like you're getting a beer from Belgium here in the U.S. So you have even if they brewed it fresh and shipped it fresh, which most of them don't, you're getting a beer that's then having to go all the way from there to wherever you are in the U.S. Go through that distribution, go to the distributor's warehouse, sit there for someone to order. Then it gets ordered. Then it gets loaded on the truck. Whenever that delivery gets made, then it'll sit on the shelf for however long. Now they have long shelf life, so I'm not saying that they're bad. Yeah. But you have those flavors developing over all that time versus it's given that time to develop. Yeah. Versus a U.S. craft brewery where it might be, yeah. you know, they this, might have done the same thing. Bottled November. Do you know what I mean? Like you might have bottled it fresh and put it right out. But it, and, it, and it might eventually become that, yeah. but it's not going to be that right away. So it's not necessarily saying, oh, it's, it's a bad beer. They didn't do it right. Like, no, it didn't have that time to mature the way that a Belgian beer does just because of the, the travel it has to go through. Yeah, I mean, distribution has gotten, like, way better, much faster, but it's still, mm-hmm. like you said, I mean, it's typically, I think it's a combination of, I think there might have been a lot of beer in stock at distributors that just sat there for a while. So a lot of times I'd see, I'd go to a local, um, you know, bar and order a, you know, Belgian beer, West Veltran, whatever, whatever. Um, West Mall, not West Veltran, obviously. But, um, and it would come out and it would already be several years old. Uh, <laughs> listen, if people are listening to this show, they know. Um, and, uh, and they, you know, it's kind of douchey. Anyway, um, and they're older, but lately I've actually been seeing like super fresh Belgian beers. I saw, it, granted, it was several months ago. I think it was in February. I saw a December Orval. Oh, it was wow. only. It was less than three months old. Now wow. I've never seen that before in my life. And it was at like a pizza place, and not the pizza place everybody thinks I'm thinking of. Yeah. Obviously, um, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and it was uh, so it was really taking me back. So I think that aspect. I think it's a combination of beer that was already here combined with distributions getting that much better. Yeah. Oh, um, definitely. But, I mean, it still takes. I mean, the company I work for, we ship stuff from overseas, and it takes weeks. 
for yeah. stuff to just you, get. You have yeah. probably at least a month from it leaving a brewery in Belgium before you could even get it on your shelf. Yeah. Versus an American craft brewery, if it's like a one, especially one that's local, you, you can get it the day they bottled it. Like you can go down that to afternoon. That. Exactly. Yeah. So I mean, it, it, that's the that's the difference, and like they might eventually become the exact same thing, but you have to keep that in mind of the freshness with it because a Belgian beer it, versus an IPA, which we're gonna get into because we have one of those on glass. Uh, you want to have that one get a little bit of, of roundedness on it and a little bit of age to it to really mature. Like that's not really made to be fresh. And if you notice on Belgian beers, a lot of them have like best buy, you know, six, seven years from now. And like, and then even that is kind of a rough guideline. You can go yeah. way beyond that. So there's a lot to that versus like what we have in our glass. Now we have uh, mango IPA from port, Double IPA, eight and a half. You want to get this. You want to get this the afternoon they bottle it. And you want to get it and you want to pour it and you want to drink it because you want those hop characteristics to come through. And this is kind of the beer that I, I think a lot of people got introduced to port through. Like this is the beer that they have a very loyal following behind. Uh, you know, eight and a half percent double IPA from the West Coast. And it's just spot on. When you think of a West Coast IPA, this is pretty much what you're thinking of. Yeah, the, the, like I mentioned um, when we were talking to Tommy, is um, we I didn't see a lot of port stuff mm-hmm. in and around this area for many years. You get dribs and drabs of it here and there, but it didn't yeah. it didn't come in, in waves. Now you're starting to see it, yeah. and I always thought it was a distribution thing to where whatever, or that it was a marketing thing to where they it had, were selling so much on the West Coast. Mm-hmm. But um, I mean, now it, they probably just get stuff out here. So super quick. I think it's a combination of it's it can turn a profit and you can get it here faster, and that's the reason why we're we're getting stuff here. Even nowadays. in the even in the past, like we, there there was infinitely more Lost Abbey stuff out here than port. But mm-hmm. I feel like this beer in particular was the port beer. Yeah, this that is the you, one saw, you saw. Apart from like old viscosity and then like older viscosity. Yeah. You know? I think yeah. this is kind of like their lead off. Like a lot of breweries, um, if you notice as breweries enter into markets, there's a lead off beer. A lot of breweries, they like to make their footprint with that beer. And I feel like this is definitely one for port. And then I think, what was the other one? They had Wipeout IPA. I believe that was another one that they used to do. Yeah, Wipeout IPA. Those are the two that you saw a lot of as kind of like the lead-off beers for them as they were like really starting to, to test markets. Because I think those are the ones they want people to have because they know one, they have a reputation, which is that's usually the lead-off beer is a beer that has somewhat of a reputation that people are going to gravitate towards. This is another one. Like and Tommy was even saying, this is the one he goes to. Still kind of a danger beer because it's eight and a half percent. Like, yeah, it's not eleven, but it's eight and a half, and it does drink like six. Well, when all your other beers are like yeah. 10, eleven percent, <laughs> eight percent, it's your this session. Is your session. Yeah, <laughs> this is the session one that they make. So, I mean, it, it definitely drinks a lot lighter though, but it's definitely a quintessential. West Coast IPA. Like it has that dankness that you want out of it. A little bit of that cat pee smell, but not overwhelming. It, it doesn't, and I'm very sensitive to that as I've talked about because I'm not a fan. Um, but it, it's completely got all like the things that you want. It has that dankness in it and that really dry finish that you want out of a good IPA. Does not suck. Um, no. Yeah. <laughs> the, um, it's so, I'm still kind of taken back by that they only distributed in eight states and they've only been around so long. Because yeah. they've always been, their their wit has always been one of my like gateway beers yeah. for to get people into beer. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because it's something you'd share because it comes in the 750. As a lot of their um, Lost Abbey stuff does come in and hey, it's just weird. I was going to say, like any of the Lost Abbey beers, that's like a good beer to get people into. Yeah, like if you want to get them into like farmhouse styles, like Carnival or Red, or, uh, Red Barn. You know, Derek loved this pop there. Yeah, 
<laughs> All right, so we're getting into our last one, and this is uh, this is where we, we probably completely derail right now at this point. So th- this is uh, from Lost Abbey. We're back on a Lost Abbey beer. This is their Track 10. Now, they, they do these. They're kind of experimental ones they like to play around with. And do, are they all, I don't know if you know this, Matt, like, are all the track ones, like they're taking their another base beer that they do and experimenting with it? Because I know this one specifically is their Serpent Style, which is like one of my favorite beers from them. Um, and they, it's aged, with, and it has cocoa nibs and, and coffee. It's 13.5%. I, I think I think almost all of them are. I know like this 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 Track 10 and Track 8 are like two of my favorites. The track 8 was their, um, was the uh, Judgment Day in Bourbon Barrels. Okay. And uh, yeah. Oh, God. I just took a sip. Yeah, the, uh, <laughs> yeah, buddy. What song is this? This this, this is um, oh yeah, this is "Bad Out of Hell." Is that what this one yeah, is? It looks yeah, like "Bad it. Out of Hell." That's what this one is. Yeah, uh, this is track ten, thirteen and a half percent American Imperial Stout Asian Bourbon Barrels with fresh coffee added and cocoa nibs, and this is absolutely incredible. It, this, this, now these are so we, so we can get the understanding. These are in set three seventy three seventy five milliliter bottles, uh, corked and caged. So I mean, th- this is definitely one that they understand. This is a little high. You do not want or need seven fifty mil of this beer. Says you. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Talking to the wrong guy. This, this is the wrong crowd for that. <laughs> George chugs these for breakfast. Yeah. <laughs> but what no, do, this, baby? We bust this beer out. This is the first time uh, George talks the entire time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And you know what? Again, I've awoken. There's yeah. there's no heat coming through. This is thirteen and a half, and there's yeah. no there's, there's no burn. Nothing. No, it's it's so sm- it's sweet and smooth. I just realized George is bender because until you give him high <laughs> alcohol, he doesn't stop. He doesn't start talking to you. Give him He's high, just sitting there on Facebook, his, he and, then he, point. and then he starts spouting off things. Like, you're like, oh, cut his mic, cut his mic. <laughs> <laughs> but this is this is like, wow, this is absolutely incredible. Like, I really, it's kind of one of those beers, like, there's certain times on here we have beer, and you're just like, I don't even know what to say, besides, like, it's really good. Like, it just kind of takes you back to, like, lizard brain. You're like, oh, good, it's good. Because <laughs> you just, it just overwhelms you with, like, how it absolutely incredible. Like, if, if you're a fan of, of bourbon barrel-aged beers, and you're one of those people that, that go and wait in line for all these crazy beers that come out, and you haven't had this, you're an idiot. I'm just going to say that, because this is... Well, that's mean. The, the, well, I, <laughs> I think I hurt someone's feelings. Um, and this is stuff you can get locally. Yeah. Now, yeah, one beer we this. had on here, yeah, you can find except this. for the anniversary, I believe, is that's the only beer you can't get locally. But at 13.5%, you get no burn. This is like a beer you could just sit and just sip and just relax and enjoy. And, and you don't have that overwhelmingness that some of these beers will give you like, with, with, like, the bourbon going on. Because, like, that, sometimes that will just, like, really make an appearance and just pound your palate. And that's all you're getting is bourbon and then subtle hints of beer in the background. This is a perfect blend of, of everything. Like, you're getting a little bit of that vanilla and a little bit of that oak and that bourbon flavor coming through. Hints of coconut, and then you have that perfect touch of cocoa, and then a little bit of that coffee as now, it comes through. The coffee the is still there. It's just crazy. It's oh, almost yeah. like a porter, like yeah. a fluffy kind of doppelbocky kind of porter vibe oh, with yeah. the mouthfeel, but it's so creamy and dense at the same time. Yeah, and um, this this really shows their like their skill with oh, yeah. doing these beers and then the barreling as well, and just making just making everything fit really really well together. Yeah, I mean, they, I mean, they've been at it for so long. I mean, yeah. even before. Mm-hmm. They open with him being at um, Pizza Port and whatnot, but um, I mean, I think Angel Share might have been my first real like barrel aged beer. They know what um, they're and, doing, and That's... they've and they've done Angel yeah. Share since 
0506. Oh, there's the oh, hook. We're being kicked off. This, this is <laughs> oh, a great beer to end on. Great brewery. Get anything you can. If they are around you and you haven't tried them, buy everything. We'll just say it that way. <laughs> All right. Uh, next week, we're going to have Licking Hole Creek on. Yeah, yeah. Fun name. Good beer. So uh, we'll catch you next week. You're in the Beer Geeks. Cheers. Cheers.